Meredith Vieira. Hello, I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. Nobody told you that I'm Mud, dear. Mud to the D-E-A. The name's Bond. James Bond. Oh, I like it. Genesis 22, everyone. Open your Bible. Let's get into God's Word so God's Word can get into us. Sound good? Genesis 22. We're going to start with verse number 1. Are you there? Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... Abraham responded and said, Here I am. Then he said, Now take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you once you get there. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Sounds like he's from the Midwest, but I'm not sure. Terre Haute, yeah. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood... But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Pretty good question. Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there. He placed the wood in order, bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham then stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Do you see the picture in your mind's eye? But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham responds and says, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. 
And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. Somebody say Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your, your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Ah, I'm not even done, but I got to take a praise break right here. I'm so thankful for the blessing of God and the fact that my God is able to multiply to me, to my children, and to my children's children who haven't even been born yet. Hallelujah. In all your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men that were watching the donkey and they arose and they went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Hallelujah. Mike, stand and ask God's blessing on our time together today and on his word. Come on and say amen. Agree with Mike on the reading of the word, the hearing of the word, the application of the word. A man was mountain climbing one day, and he lost his footing and slipped off the side of the cliff. On his way down the mountain, however, he was able to grab hold of a branch jutting out from the face of a rock. As he hung there in panic, he began to think through his options, limited as they were. Finally, he looks up and he starts yelling, Hello! Is there anybody up there? To his surprise, he heard a voice call back and say, Yes, I'm here. Who are you? The man asked. I am God, the voice booms back. The man is now totally relieved and sh shouts back to God, God, can you save me? Of course I can, responded God. The man is now extremely happy and asks, what should I do? The answer from the Almighty, however, was not at all what the man had expected. Let go of the branch. Let go of the branch. After a long period of silence, the man faintly replies, Hello? Is there anybody else up there? You know, I think sometimes we're all like the man who's lost his footing, climbing the mountain, and we slip and fall. Sometimes 
right off the side of the cliff. Anybody ever been there? But thanks be to God for the tree jutting out from the side of the rock that somehow, someway, we're able to grab hold of. And there we cling. We want God's help, but we don't want to do what God says to do. We don't want to let go of the things we're holding on to, even though they may be holding us back, even though they may be holding us down, even though they may keep us isolated and deserted somewhere. Think about it. We find it hard to release our grip and give God total control of our lives. We think God will provide, but we also think, what if he doesn't? We hold on to this alternate route, this plan B, this hidden escape hatch. We have an in-case-of-emergency-break-glass kind of mentality, don't we? We hold on to a flawed thinking tucked back into the far resources of our mind that says, if God doesn't come through for me, I can always do it my own way. But see, God doesn't want you to have any plan B God doesn't want you to have any other alternate route. God doesn't want you holding on to some in case of emergency break glass kind of thinking. God wants total release and a total let go and a total surrender to him. That's what God wants. We're holding on to the branch off the side of the cliff asking, well, is there anybody else up there? Today, God introduces himself to us as Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. Jot down a few things that I believe will be helpful to you in your growth in Christ. Jehovah Jireh is the God who will provide. Jehovah Jireh is God, my provider. Come on, somebody say Jehovah Jireh. God, my provider. Now, let me just ask this question. Has Jehovah Jireh ever provided for anybody here today? Hallelujah. Has he ever supplied anybody's need in the house here today? You ever need something and called on Jehovah Jireh and sure enough, he provided for you just like you knew he would, just like he said he would. Oh, I want to bring some good news today, Pastor. He's still Jehovah Jireh, still God my provider, still the one who will provide for all of our needs. However, come on, look at your neighbor and say, however. <laughs> There's a however today. The path to provision may not be what you expected. Oh, I believe I'll say it again in case you didn't get it. Richard, the path to provision may not look like we thought it was going to look like. It may not be what we thought it was going to be. We, I could get you shouting today about Jehovah Jireh. We, Pastor Moses could get back up here with the choir. We could start singing about Jehovah Jireh. We could have a Jericho march in this place and woo. But I want you to know today the path to your provision, 
may not be what you thought. There may be twists and turns along the way. There may be speed bumps and potholes along the way. Unexpected detours and roadblocks. Surprise rerouting may happen at a moment's notice. Abraham met Jehovah Jireh. But on the way to the meeting, he encountered the unexpected. I want you to jot down these three key thoughts on your way to meet Jehovah Jireh. Number one, let's look at the, the, the request. Look closely with me at the request. The request is simple. It's sacrifice. But there are three elements to this request that I thought was interesting. I, I saw that the, the request was, first of all, scholastic. <laughs> scholastic request from God. Have you ever thought about that? Look, look, look with me at verse number one again. You'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. Verse number one, now it came to pass after these things that God, what? Tested Abraham. God tested Abraham. God took Abraham to school. Why do we go to school? Anybody up in the balcony want to talk to me today? Why do we go to school, Jim? To learn. Basic. We go to school to learn. God is taking Abraham to school because he wants him to learn something. He clearly tells us, I'm about to give a test. Now, if your instructor, your teacher, got some young people in school over here. Mr. Mike's one of our teachers. If he tells you high school, I've got several high schoolers here. If Mr. Mike tells you, I'm going to give you a test on Friday, and he told you Monday, and yet you didn't study at all. You blew it off. And then you fail the test. Is that Mr. Mike's fault? Is it your parents' fault? Whose fault is it? You don't want to hear that, do you? God's clearly giving a test here because he wants Abraham to learn something. I wonder, would Abraham pass the test? I wondered if Abraham would learn the lesson, and then I inserted my own name. I wonder if Steve will pass the test. I wonder if Steve will learn the lesson. Because every problem that comes your way, it's a potential test from God. Every problem, and you're going to have a problem or two. Or three. Or four. We're going to have some problems along the way. What are we going to do when the problems arise? I, I hope, first of all, we recognize, oh, this is a test. This is a test. You see, Jesus, I taught on this on Wednesday, but Jesus also gave some tests. The great teacher, the rabbi of all rabbis, Jesus, the master teacher, he was testing. It says in John chapter 6 that a great multitude, we, we know from scripture that it ended up being at least 5,000 men, a great multitude came to Jesus and Jesus looks to Philip, one of the disciples, and says to Philip, well, we're going to get bread to feed everybody. But he says, Philip says, well, I, even if we had so much money, it would only be enough bread for one little bite for everybody. But see, Jesus said something interesting. He said that I asked Philip this question because I was testing him. 
And then he said something really marvelous. Jesus said, because I already knew what I was going to do. Oh, aren't you glad, Cora, today that Jesus already knows what he's going to do? The problems arise in our, uh, in our life, but it's only a test. It's only to see how we'll handle it. Will we handle it in our flesh or will we take it to the master? Will we take it to Jesus? Will we let him help us with the problems? This request from God to Abraham was scholastic. It was a test. What is the test here? The test is faith. It's a testing of the faith. Your faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tried. Your faith is going to be rocked. There's still an enemy. Uh, let me say it again. There's still an enemy. Don't forget, there's still a real enemy. The thief comes only. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only but to steal, kill, and destroy. Your, your faith is going to be tried. Your faith is going to be tested. By the way, I want to interject right here that in God telling, requesting to Abraham to go take your son and go and offer him as a sacrifice, I want to make it clear to everyone, God was not condoning human sacrifice. Don't be deceived here. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse number 10, he clearly forbids it. And God is not going to contradict himself. How many are glad about that today? So he's not condoning human sacrifice. I would just push you back up to the top of things here and remind you of what God said in the beginning right here. After these things, he tested Abraham. It's a test. What is the test? The test is a test of his faith. The test is a test of his trust. I wonder if Abraham trusted God. We, we would soon find out. Of course, we know the end of the story, so we know how it ends. But I wonder when the, the troubles come our way and when the problems arise in our life and the test comes, my friend, a testing of our faith, a testing of our trust. Will we trust God? Because God still gives tests. And I believe as long as we walk this sod, God will be testing us. And it comes through the trials. It comes through the problems, doesn't it? James gave some wonderful insight on this. James chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. My brothers and sisters, count it all joy. Seems ironic. Difficult to do. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be, what, bring it back up, I'm not done here. James 1, 3, and 4, do you have it? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Boy, when you think about the end result that God is after, you can then rejoice and, and have joy in all the variety of trials that come your way because God is up to something. God is up to something so big and so great, the perfecting of you, the completion of you, and at the end of it, he wants us to be lacking absolutely nothing. Oh, that's good. That's good news for you today. 
This request from God was not only scholastic, this request from God was specific. Look at the text in verse number two. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you once you get there. You see, God told Abraham exactly what he wanted him to do. And God only requested what he wanted to request of Abraham. He didn't show him the whole picture, did he? He didn't even tell him the mountain. He just said, go to this region, and when you get there, I'll give you further instruction. We're impatient people, and we want to see the whole picture unfolded before us. But let me tell you something. If God showed you the whole picture of your life, you'd be so scared, you'd run and hide somewhere. God knows that I can't handle the whole picture, so he gives me one little piece of the puzzle at a time. And before I know it, I look back and I see this wonderful masterpiece that God had been weaving together and creating all along the pathway of my life. Hallelujah. I thank you today, God, that you didn't show me the whole picture and that you still don't show me the whole picture. You simply asked me to trust you step after step and every twist and turn of the road. hear me today, God speaks specifically. He told to the detail what he wanted Abraham to do. The request was specific and detailed. Three words kind of jumped off the page to me and I immediately grabbed my highlighter in preparing this message and I highlighted these three words. I'd like you to underline them. It's in verse 2. Take Go offer. This is what the request was from God, the specificness of the request from God. He said to Abraham, take, take your son, what you love so much, what is so dear to you, what you thought you'd never have, what brings you more pleasure than almost anything else in life. Take, go, he said go to Moriah, he was giving him instruction to go to a place of sacrifice. And let me remind you that a place of sacrifice is a place of worship because sacrifice equates worship. When they sacrificed, Pastor Jojo, you're with me, right? The sacrifice was the worship. It's, it is equal. That's what they were doing. Sacrificing, worshiping. So he's telling him, take what you have, take what is dear, go to a place of worship, and then offer your worship. And your worship should always be a sacrifice of worship. And I will remind you today that when you talk about a sacrifice of worship, sometimes we think, oh, that means I'm, I'm so tired and I'm so wore out, but I'm going to go ahead and praise anyhow. I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to go to church because I, I'm really tired, but it's going to be my sacrifice. That is not a sacrifice of worship. That is not a sacrifice of praise. That's going and getting the diseased lamb from the flock because you didn't want it anyway. And, and you didn't think it was worth anything. You're going to give that to God. You know, when they sacrifice, oh, this is way off my notes, but I feel like somebody needs to hear it today. When they sacrifice, they went and got the very best of the herd, the very best of the flock. They got the very best and offered that to God. That is a sacrifice of worship. 
Which leads me to the third part of the request. It's not only scholastic, it's not only specific, it is sacrificial. It's going to take sacrifice to sacrifice. It takes discipline to be disciplined. The discipline of discipline. The sacrifice of sacrificing. The request was, was straightforward. It was sacrificial. The pig and the chicken were talking one day. I know. They were talking one day about how much they loved the farmer who fed them and cared for them. His birthday was just in a few days, and so they wanted to show the farmer their love for him. The chicken clucked out what she thought would be a glorious gift. How about a breakfast of ham and eggs, she said. That's easy for you to say, the pig squealed in protest. That only requires an offering from you, but for me, a total sacrifice is required. God requested total sacrifice. The request was to sacrifice Isaac. <laughs> the thing that was so dear to Abraham. God knew how dear this was to Abraham. Look how he, look how he asked him. Verse 2 again. Watch, watch, watch. God says to Abraham, Now, take your son. There's one. Your only son, there's two. Isaac calls him by name, there's three. Whom you love. Could it be any more difficult? It's like God is just rubbing this in, isn't he? I'm asking you to give up something that is more precious to you than probably anything else in your life. There's one person in my life that is more dear to me than any other. I love this church, I love my staff, I love my family, I love you. You better know I love you. But I want to tell you something, Joe, there's one person, she happens to be sitting by you. She's more dear to me than any other human being on earth, Karen. I'm just telling you. I love Elliot, Butler, and Daisy, they're a very close second. But I make it very clear to them, they are second. And I don't, I don't say that wrongly. Karen is my love. She's my life. She's the one God sent to me. I'm married to her till death parts us. That's, what, that's how it is. I'm telling you this because there are times that if I let myself... Karen could even kind of bump the priority. And I could put her first. And I have to surrender Karen to God. I thank you that you've given, me to her, given her to me and me to her. But I have to let go of what I love the most. All the time. Or else I'm holding so tight to that I don't want to let this go. I couldn't imagine my life without Karen. I would be a lost mess. I can't even turn the TV on and off without her help. And that's actually the truth. <laughs> We've got 15 remotes. What in the world is going on? Why can't we just have one remote? 
focus, focus. Take your son, take your only son, Isaac. Take that one that you love so much. They waited a hundred years to have a boy. Way past the time they were even supposed to. And now God's saying, give up what I've blessed you with. Hey, sometimes God wants to see if you're willing to give what he's blessed you with. Uh-huh. Are you willing? This brings me to the response number two. The response, again, very clear, very straightforward, obedience. The request is sacrifice. The response, obedience. Well, this should be the response. I wonder if it always is. Obedience brought to my mind a couple of, 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 of requirements. Jot them down. Obedience requires immediate action. What I mean is, look at verse number three again. Abraham rose early in the morning and got the process started. He didn't wait until two or three days, two or three weeks. I'm going to process this, God, and I'll get back with you if I think it's a good idea. You see, God wasn't asking Abraham what he thought of the request, what he thought of the plan. God was simply requiring of him, I want you to do this. Immediate action. Obedience requires immediate action. Abraham did not delay. He did not hesitate. He did not procrastinate. He did not bellyache. He just got up early in the morning and got things rolling. Hallelujah. Let me say this. Delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. You can tweet that out if you'd like. Delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. I'll say it like this too. Partial obedience is total disobedience. God just wants us to obey, church. Whether we like it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether God has explained everything to us or not, whether God has shown us what he's going to do in the next chapter and in the next season, God says, I want you to do this now. Will you obey me? Delayed obedience and partial obedience both rob us of the blessing and the in provision that God wants to give us. Obedience requires immediate action. Obedience requires preparation. So Abraham, let me finish this verse. Verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of the young men with him, got Isaac ready, split the wood for the burnt offering. Then he rose and he went. He was willing to do immediately what God told him to do and even prepare for the act of worship. Preparation eliminates excuses, church. When you are prepared, excuses are out the door. God, I slept in. <laughs> God, my alarm clock didn't go off. 
Oh, God, I, I forgot to bring the wood. Abraham starts thinking about everything that would be required. I need to get flint. I need to get a knife. I need to get wood. I need everything required in order to fulfill what God had requested him to do. He prepared to do it. Abraham prepared himself for what could be possibly the most difficult thing he would ever do. The ultimate sacrifice, Isaac, his only son. Without God explaining, without God showing him the end result, he prepared to sacrifice. He prepared to worship. May I remind you once more, sacrifice equates worship. And allow me to chase this rabbit around the room. It amazes me to what great lengths we will go to prepare for most things in our lives. We prepare for birthday parties. We prepare for business proposals. We prepare for wedding days and anniversaries. We prepare for vacations. We prepare for friends to come over for dinner. Yet the majority of Christians come into God's house week after week completely unprepared to praise and to worship Him and to sacrifice to Him. God help us. God help us. Then we wonder why Jehovah Jireh didn't meet our needs. We didn't prepare. How about on Sunday morning before you even take your shower, before you even get your clothes on, you start thanking God, you start praising Him, you start worshiping Him. Hallelujah. You create an atmosphere of praise and of worship. And by the time you get in, there'll be six to eight people around you. They may not even understand what they set into and what they stepped into, but that they come into an atmosphere that you created while you were still in your home. You brought it here through your car. Hallelujah. Prepare yourself to sacrifice the very best to God. Prepare yourself for worship. Let me quickly close this with number three. It is the results. The results are also very simple. Provision. Provision. I found a few things curious here. Isaac. Scholars tell us he was probably around 15 years old. And Isaac, as any teenager who is transitioning and going through changes in life, he's, he's curious. And Isaac's curiosity was interesting to me. Look at verse number 7. Isaac pipes up and he says, Dad, you know, I, I, I see the wood... I, I see the flint uh, for the fire. Uh, I, I see you brought a knife. <laughs> but one thing I'm, I'm not seeing, one thing is missing. Where's the lamb? Where's the animal? He had clearly seen his father sacrifice, probably participated on numerous times himself, carrying the wood, carrying the lamb, carrying something. Something's missing here, Dad. Isaac's curiosity aroused. Smart young man, isn't he? But now stand Abraham's faith next to Isaac's curiosity. What's Abraham say? Verse number 8. Dad looks at the boy. Dad looks at his son. He says, my son, God will provide for himself. 
a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. There's another something that stood out to me that, that spoke of Abraham's faith. It's, it's tucked away. You might miss it even there in verse number 5. He told the servants, stay here and watch the donkey. You'll have to look in your Bible. It's not going to come up on the screen. Look at verse number 5. Watch the donkey because I'm taking my son. He and I are going to worship. And what's it say after that? Come on, somebody. Look at the word. It says we're going to be back. We're going to worship, but we, we shall return. Abraham knew. He didn't know how, but he knew God was going to provide. He spoke in faith. We're both leaving and we're both going to return. What a great, great man of faith, Abraham. And of course, there is the matter of the actual provision. The provision that day was the ram. The ram caught in the thicket. Caught in the thicket by the horns, which suggests there was no blemish on this lamb. He wasn't cut up or torn up. He was caught by the horns. So he was a, a spotless lamb, a spotless ram, a pure sacrifice. He provided the lamb. Abraham lifted his eyes, verse 13. He looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. I'm so thankful today that God knows right where we are. The Bible says he's a very present help in our time of trouble and in our time of need. That tells me, uh, Dorothea, that right now, today, God is able to meet my needs. Oh, but it gets bigger than that. Oh, but it gets better than that. Not only did God provide for Abraham that day, Abraham's obedience set in motion, hallelujah, a perpetual blessing from the Lord and multiplication for the days that would come and for his children and for his children's children and his great-great-grandchildren, hallelujah. He blessed him on that day, but he made a promise to him that I'm just going to keep on blessing you. I'm going to keep on multiplying to you. Look at verses 17 and 18. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Come on, read it out loud. That's why you want the provision. Who doesn't? I love when God provides for me. I could dance on that. I could shout on that. But I wonder if I'm willing to walk the road and walk the path toward my provision. I wonder if I'm willing to obey the voice of God when it's vague at times, when it's clothed at times. When God only shows me a part of it, blessing. I wonder, would I obey to get to that blessing? His obedience meant provision immediately, but it meant ongoing provision, ongoing blessing. Pastor Moses, come. Today, we meet Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, the God who will provide. But before you meet him, you must pass the test. You've got to go to school. God wants you to learn something today. Do you trust him? Do you have faith that he really knows what he's doing 
and that his plan is best? If you want God's provision, how many want God's provision today? It will come God's way, not your way. God's provision comes God's way by God's rules, if you will. You must be willing to let go of what you're holding on to, what's so dear to you, what you love so much, what you thought maybe you'd never have, and now I'm, there's no way I'm letting go of this. That's what God wants you to let go of. Do you trust God? Relationships? Jobs? People? Let go. Let go and, well, let God. Let go and let God. In preparing for this message, I read a story of a house that caught fire. A little girl was trapped in her upstairs bedroom. As she leaned out the window, her father, who was on the ground, said, Jump, honey, I'll catch you. And the little girl, terrified, she cries down, Daddy, I can't see you. The father shouts back, That's okay. That's okay, sweetheart. I can see you. The little girl jumped to her safety, not because she could see her father, but because she trusted in the voice of her father who told her to jump. She was willing to let go. And as she let go, she found her provision. Let me show you a picture inside of a picture. You see, when God gave Jesus, the ultimate lamb was provided for us. Watch this. Some things I found interesting. Isaac carried the wood on his back to the place of sacrifice. Jesus carried the weight of the cross on his back as he journeyed to Calvary. Both Isaac and Jesus were obedient unto death. Both submitted to the will of their fathers. Both Isaac and Jesus were bound in preparation for death. Mount Moriah is where the temple was eventually built. And this offering of blood from the lamb would be a precursor to the countless offerings that would be offered in the future. Offerings of blood presented in the temple. Abraham and Isaac traveled three days to the mountain where Isaac's life was eventually spared. Jesus was dead and buried for three days before coming back to life. Just interesting thoughts that I saw. The ram was provided as a substitutionary sacrifice. Jesus, the perfect lamb, the spotless lamb, gave his life for us and in our place. Every head bowed in this room.
Jehovah Jireh, God my provider, is more than able to provide for you. But will you put your trust in him? Will you put your faith in him? If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I, I, I need provision right now. And I want to obey, but I'm struggling. Please pray for me. If that's you, come on and lift your hand right now. Yes, all over this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, you see the hands of your people, men and women and students all over this room. We need provision, no, no question. But perhaps you're calling us to something that's difficult, something unexpected, something we just simply don't understand. As our, as our faith is tested, our trust is tried, help us today to learn the lesson and pass the test. Everyone standing, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Moses, lead us in this chorus. All to Jesus I surrender all To Him I freely give And I will ever love And trust Him in His go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, thank you for giving us another day, another opportunity to worship you. And Lord, right now, I just ask that you would bless each and every one of us as we have come to your house today to learn more about you and to draw closer to you. Lord, bless the remainder of this day. Keep us in your will. Hey, I have, an, I have a, uh, an insulin case here. If somebody's missing their insulin and their needles and their test strips and so on and so forth, come and see me. Okay? All right. God bless you.